So here's the question. In the print and packaging supply chain, how do we deliver new ideas and innovative practices to continually improve your profit, your brand, and your quality? Welcome to the Gamut Podcast, and I am your host, Jeff Collins, Director of Print Technologies for ID Alliance. We are a nonprofit global think tank serving the graphic communications industry with 12 offices strategically located around the world to better support our membership. You can support the Gamut Podcast and content like this by becoming a member at ID Alliance by going to www.idalliance.org. I would also like to thank Konica Minolta for sponsoring this podcast. They are a world leader in industrial and commercial printing and packaging solutions. With a comprehensive portfolio of production print offerings, Konica Minolta delivers the latest innovations in printing, applications, and expertise. And I'd like to welcome back Tim Beckley, our CEO, for another Gamut podcast. How are you this morning, Tim? Morning, Jeff. How are you? I'm doing good. So uh, we talked earlier uh, about our topic today, which is a very interesting and insightful observation of how we can better service others and service the industry as we do with Idea Alliance. Well, you know, it's I've been I do a lot of reading and uh, I do a lot of consumption of information. I do a lot of speaking as well, and and I do a lot of listening. And so, and as I was preparing for a, a lot of international travel coming up and some presentations I was doing, I was taking some information in and putting some information down and some things were kind of, kind of come together. And, and, you know, today I wanted to talk about a couple of things. I want to talk about the man in the arena, the Stoics and the four p- people you meet and see of life. And it was something I was putting together for a presentation overseas because it, it coincided with a lot of things going on in the industry and a lot of things that happen in life and how we look at things and how we listen to things and how we take in things and and how we look at ourselves and because everything really comes back to self. And as we talk internally, as we always do, and, and we talk about the things that we, we do within ID Alliance, we talk about... You know, there's no greater place to find yourself than being in the service to others. We talk about providing education to the masses by any means possible anywhere on this earth for the purpose of furthering both knowledge and prosperity of humankind. It's not work, but simply humanity at work, lifting each other up to the act of giving. And that really summarizes what we do as an organization and why we do what we do, especially as you correlate that into um, the Idea Alliance Foundation, a massive part of who we are and what we believe in and what we stand for and why we create what we create in order to give away to the world to make it a better place in the industry to help further people's careers, impact their businesses, and and add knowledge and prosperity to people's lives and, and bring enrichment wherever we go, no matter where that is on earth. And when I thought about this, I was thinking about the man in the, re- the arena, which is a, it's one of my favorite stories um, about a, uh, it's a speech that Theodore, Theodore Roosevelt gave in France. And, I, and I've, I've talked about it before. Um, some people know it. Uh, Theodore Roosevelt, yep. uh, obviously a, pre- a former president of the United States, was giving a speech in France. He had just come back from a number of travels overseas in different parts of the world. And he was uh, railing against the cynics who looked down at those who were trying to make the world a better place. Um, 
who are just simply willing to criticize without doing the work or taking steps to understand, learn, or try to perform themselves, but just simply criticize. And during this, this speech that took place in France, um, he came up with these words. And it, 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 it flowed out of him accidentally. And, and the famous speech and the, top, and the content that came is simply known as the man in the arena. And it, and it states, it's not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how strong the man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done better. The credit belongs to the man who's actually in the arena, whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood, who strives valiantly, who errs, who comes short again and again because there's no effort without error and shortcoming, but who does actually strive to do the deeds, who knows great enthusiasms, the great devotions, who spends himself in a worthy cause, who at the best knows in the end the triumph of high achievement, who at the worst, if he fails, at least fails while daring greatly. So at this place shall never be the, with those cold and timid souls who neither know victory nor defeat. And I love that because he's talking about the doing, the getting into the arena, being bloodied and battered, the falling down, the actual uh, getting after a cause and doing the work rather than piggybacking and, and not being shallow. Because it's easy to stand in the stands and cheer and jeer um, without actually knowing what's going on. And, it, and it, it kind of brought me to a place of something that I I like to think about, and I like to talk about, and I like to certainly like to study because it, it brings us really back to an historical perspective of the Stoics. And Jeff, I'm sure you're familiar with Stoicism and the Stoics in life. Ancient Greek philosophy like oh, uh, Marcus Aurelius and I believe Seneca. Did a little research earlier, but uh, yes, I'm familiar with it. My father reads a lot about Stoicism and uh, Greek philosophy, ancient philosophy. So I got a little bit from him. So yeah, exactly. Um, you know, Stoicism. You know, was really around the third century BC, and it was it was a philosophy and personal ethics informed by systems of logic and its views in the natural world. And uh, and it's it's often credited to Socrates, and you, and you mentioned another one, Seneca, and, and another prominent one, Marcus Aurelius. And what's really interesting about this is it's it's a it's it's based on logic. And I and I love studying Stoicism and thinking about Stoicism because we we practice a lot of this in the work we do, perhaps sometimes subconsciously, but. The story behind this is, if any, I don't know if a lot of people know this, is that Socrates, an incredible philosopher in history, um, was put to death for asking questions. He was made to drink hemlock uh, because he simply um, was tired of having um, people pontificate about things that they were not experts on. And so we'd go around asking people questions, and he'd go around yeah. asking people one, He's two, three, He's trying to clarify and understand and challenge assumptions, all of these things that we now take for granted or sometimes overlook, uh, and the way that we uh, observe our everyday experiences and uh, don't put it to the challenge of uh, rational debate or you know, trying to clarify and understand, uh, understand, uh, you know, pull out the um, evidence to support the critic. 
and or an or or an assumption. That's exactly that's exactly the point. And 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 if you think about how long ago this was, he was put to death for that for asking for asking <laughs> questions. Yeah. And uh, and today we talk about the Socratic method, and most people know what that is, which is obviously attributed to him. Uh, people not maybe perhaps knowing he died for was for getting to the root and Socratic teaching about participating in this teaching method of work rather than talking at someone, uh, but talking to someone and getting that participation, what you just said of getting away from the assumptions and the uh, presumptiveness of something and, and getting people engaged so you can have a conversation, getting deeper and further into conversations, uh, not necessarily debate, but opening it up to allow people to explore the why and the what and that, the how. Yeah, that's right. It's definitely, uh, you know, when we uh, uh, just wanted to interject something there real quickly is that, uh, you know, and what we do, we spend a lot of time examining evidence and rationale when we do some of the work that we do around specifications and standards with all these different technologies. And we're constantly challenging assumptions and past practices, right? And yep. uh, you can't examine evidence. You can't challenge assumptions without, you know, hurting somebody's or making, you know, someone uncomfortable in the process uh, in order to solve a problem. And uh, yeah, I mean, sometimes it turn, it can get nasty, right? We see it social media all the time. Uh, we see people that challenge, uh, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, conventional wisdom. Right. Uh, sometimes this conventional wisdom is chock full of uh, assumptions and, uh, you know, words and semantics and things that uh, have never been probed and examined rationally uh, through, you know, method like Socrat Socratic questioning. So uh, when we look at some of the work that we do, um, we definitely, you know, in our little world here in the print industry, it's actually not that little. It's pretty, pretty big when you, again, look a little deeper especially like in the consumer packaging industry. You know, I don't want to kind of divert here, but my point is, is that we look at the work that we do and uh, there's a bit of controversy and that is normal. Uh, it's nothing to be afraid of. It's, you know, that stoic that can stand up to being questioned. And if he's wrong, he takes his medicine, right? Mm -hmm. Right. And it. You know, in the world we live in, and we talked about it before, and we talk about it all the time as we travel the world as being open to opinions and ideas. And, you know, right now, you know, it, and, and we're, we're in the business of serving others. And right now in, in a lot of society, you know, outside, you know, not just our industry, but it just in general in society, we live in a very narcissistic world. We're surrounded by narcissism. And so going back to why this has been in my head, you know, we, we, we have to be aware of false knowledge because it's more danger, dangerous than ignorance. And I think going back to what you said about uh, words and connotations and things losing their meaning, you know, we, I, I want to focus on the word ignorance for a second because it's not a bad word, but somewhere along the way, we've, we've made it a bad word. It just simply means lack of knowledge of information. Like I, I'm ignorant about a number of things, many, many things in life. And when I'm ignorant to things, 
I make it a point to write it down. Like people introduce me to something, I make it a point to write it down and go find out more about it. I, I learn as right. we talk about every single every, day. Every genius started out as a fool. Every expert started out as a fool from a point of ignorance. That's how we gain knowledge. We, right. we, we don't, we're not born, all right, with the ability to do calculus. So we stumble, we fail quizzes, we get frustrated, we get depressed, but we keep trudging forward until through repetition and through sheer will and discipline, we can then become the expert. But point being is that there's nothing to fear, you know, that where you talk about narcissism and, you know, uh, the wrong kind of ego, it's uh, be okay with being ignorant. You're not going to have yeah, the, the you know, I may, I may support a position that uh, I am totally wrong, but until I have people around me that question and probe and again, going back to Socratic uh, questioning or, or so Socratic method of defining, you know, looking for the truth, right? Cause that's what we're all shooting for is to try to share the truth with others. Right. Yeah. And, and, you know, it's, it's our thirst for knowledge and education that's, you know, really deeply important to our growth. And if we look across the world and we look at, um, regions and countries that are, are, are growing unbelievably, it's because they have an unbelievable thirst for knowledge, which is a thirst for innovation. I, I was lucky to grow up in the family that I did, uh, a loving family. And, and I had a dad that, um, read the encyclopedia sets. And I always found this to be fascinating. I found myself there. My dad would bring um, encyclopedia books to the dinner table and he would read something. Uh, and he wasn't, uh, he would just be reading something and say, Hey, did you guys know? And he would tell, say something because he was fascinated by a subject. And I found myself doing the same thing. And so when the encyclopedia sets were out and they would come out every year with a new annex or a bunch of new annexes based upon new information or things that needed to be changed in the encyclopedia versions, I would do the same thing. I couldn't wait till those versions came out to learn more because that's where we gathered information. This is pre-internet. And in, in our family, you know, we were really encouraged to share our thoughts and our opinions and our ideas. And we were never told, hey, that's wrong. Um, e even if we were being teenagers or, or uh, know-it-alls or speaking out of place or misinformed, ignorant to something. Yeah, my parents would encourage us to study a subject more and perhaps see things from a different viewpoint. I'm saying, hey, maybe uh, you should look into that more deeply or, hey, you can find more about that here. Uh, I encourage you to explore that uh, because it would it would it would allow us to take us down different rabbit holes. Now we have Wikipedia and different things in the internet to do that. But it's um, that's really where the, the the thirst for finding answers um, came from within me and why I maybe look at the world upside down. But it was I was never told, hey, you're wrong and you should believe this one thing in this way only. It was being open to it and saying, go go search. Um, and I would say those who are willing to pay the price to seek knowledge um, will achieve much. And because it's it's only when we're really brave enough to explore like our own darkness in our head that we discover the infinite power of our light. And because we learn our own by uh, by owning our own personal stories and embracing our own vulnerabilities. You know, when we search within ourselves to understand absolutely what's going on, helps us to understand ourselves and everyone around us. And, you know, we talk about this internally and we talk about it externally that in regards to uh, how 
people are in life and, you know, we're all wired, we're all wired for struggle. Everybody in life has struggles, you know, personally, uh, and we're all wired for it. That's how we were made. But finding how to walk to the values, uh, values of life. We're um, definitely given all the equipment to assess our environment. I mean, it's amazing when you look at what we have. I mean, of course, there's some disabilities, genetic or, you know, uh, or other causes, but, you know, we look at uh, how uh, complex our vision, all the senses that we have, the the, the brain power that we're in, that scientists still don't understand totally, and uh, we look at all of these things that we have to evaluate our environment for survival and continual improvement of our you know individual and the collective condition. It's uh, nothing short, obviously, of a miracle. It's, uh, you know, we're still trying to discover, you know, why our <clears throat> neural systems do what they do. And uh, we're going down a path now where we're, you know, really uh, part of a, uh, I don't want to say we're cyborgs or anything like that, but we're really starting to become more connected with, uh, you know, machinery whether it's through AI or the way that we input uh, ourselves and interact uh, with uh, technology and the technology giving us the uh, instant access to just a massive amount of information that we can, you know, it's, you know, you starting to see a trend in uh, educational content, right? We talked about this where mm -hmm. I, uh, you know, instead of going for a four-year degree, uh, there is content that gives me the ability to provide and survive and uh, grow uh, much more efficiently. So mm -hmm. look how far we've come as, you know, the human condition. Yeah, but going, going back to what you said about how we are like programmed and how we are set up in life, we're all shaped by things in our life. You know, going back from our childhood to every event that occurs, both good and bad, thereafter from childhood and we all have free will and you know how we use it is critical to our growth and our path and so when I look at our industry and I, and I see so much going on and I see a lot of there, there's a lot of noise there's a lot of noise in a lot of industries but there's a lot of noise in our industries and you know one of the things is 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 trade shows I'll talk about this specific to America um, I mean it's almost like there are so many trade shows in America right now, it almost seems like you don't have to go to work anymore. You can just go to a trade show. And, um, that's a full time you know, job for a lot of people in our industry. I know every and, and, week. I mean, you talk, but when you talk to those people, that's not the place they want to be. Uh, and, and it's a, you know, one of the reasons that Drupa is so successful and so big and so anticipated, and there's a build up, it's anticipation. And the world comes to see innovation, the latest releases, what's to come, the market movers, what will change the industry. And but when you have too much of anything, when there's not moderation, it becomes saturation. And there's and there's some great shows out there, shows that, you know that we participate in. And, and but it, but we have to choose carefully. And it's a lot of it's based upon rhetoric, and a lot of it's based upon legacy, and a lot of it's based upon where we need to be and where we want to be. And it's it's not a uh, you have to be here, and if you're not, then you're 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 gonna miss the industry. That's that's not 
uh, true at all. So, you know, I look at Disney as a great example. They have a vault that they put their movies in. They, t- they put them out and they take them away and they put them in the vault. Uh, they create a shortage that drives a demand. Um, so, you know, you have all these trade shows. It's like going to, it, it, for me, it, it, and I think about this, and I assume other people think about this the same way. It's like going to a museum, the same museum, day in and day out, but the exhibit, exhibits never change. And I, I don't, you go, you memorize everything. So there's nothing new to be seen. You walk, you're just walking through. And, um, and that to me is interesting perspective. So, you know, I, I think to myself, what if a multi-band OEM didn't show up for a trade show? Uh, would people assume they didn't exist? Of course they wouldn't. And what if, a, or what if a multi-band OEM or any OEM had a tiny booth rather than a gigantic booth? Would it be, less relevant than somebody of the same size? No, it's just perception. Yeah. And so we get into this kind of, uh, I have to have, they have this, we have this, we have to be there because they're there and it's there. But when you look at the reality of what it really is, is it really that? So that's the noise. So, you know, as, as I consume this information every day and every week and you look at the industry, like here's another example. I, I look at industry research. And I, and I, and I use the term research, um, very loosely because I'm going to go back to stoicism because I know, uh, a lot about research, um, and, and being deeply involved in it is that if you really ask the questions and draw attention to it and look really deep into it and people are making decisions based upon information that comes out in quotations research, you'll find out that very few people are participating in this research and the people that are producing this research have little to no expertise in um, the work that we do. And And you can read a little bit into it and see that. So it's kind of um, getting people to pivot based upon rhetoric becomes very dangerous back to the point where um, beware of false knowledge. Well, let me ask you something. Uh, What are some of the examples of research that, doesn't provide relevant information, something that uh, is, uh, well, research that could lead us down the wrong path because it wasn't conducted thoroughly. Well, I wouldn't mention anybody by by name. But Uh, I I think people should draw their own conclusions. But my point is I think people should look at things. um, I encourage uh, people to look at things open-mindedly of, of looking things deeply and asking the question of where did this come from? How many people participated? Is it factual? Who, who participated? Yeah, uh, do they represent me? Um, is it, uh, is it a uh, hundred people? Is it 70 people who wrote it? Is it represent just this market? Is it really that? Because if I'm making decisions off it, um, and it's really looking for the words, the statistics, the data, cause empirical data doesn't lie, but it's, it's going deeper and asking the questions. It's kind of like saying, here's more information from the industry, um, and we need you to pivot from that. Here's another idea, pivot from this, pivot from this. It'd be, it'd be like telling the wildebeest to migrate every single week, week when they only migrate once a year, uh, knowing that you know, wildebeest only migrate in November, and it's a, tre- it's a treacherous migration, and they do it for survival. You, you can't ask people to pivot and, and move all the time simply because okay here's another one for you because then it's not it's 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 nature has to take its course 
because if you pivot based upon conjecture rather than fact, it becomes extremely dangerous. Hey, Tim, that really does end this podcast on the perfect note and uh, brings us back to where we began when we first started the conversation. And I appreciate the time again. Thank you so much. But anyway, thanks for listening to the Gamut Podcast. If you have ideas, suggestions, or would like to join us or even sponsor future podcasts, simply email me at jcollins at idealliance.org. That's J-C-O-L-L-I-N-S at idealliance.org. Take care and have a productive day.